thank you for being here. Um, it's always an honor to speak for anything at any time. Uh, Leo and Susanna have entrusted this Christmas season message to me. And um, it is my favorite, though. Christmas is my favorite. I mean, it's always an honor to anything. But Christmas is my favorite. In our household, it truly is the most wonderful time of the year, I have to say. Now, I know that it really isn't that way for everybody. So I hope that this message can encourage you and bring you closer to God. I pray that you would just leave like you have been filled with something in Jesus' name. But I do love Christmas, and we do a lot around this time of year to make it special. You know, we're kind of really in your face about Christmas. I mean, we have the tree and the lights and the presents and the, and the traditions and the decor and everything. And it's like, you know, we're trying to say this season, this celebration matters. It matters so much. We will do whatever it takes to get your attention because this is a miraculous and holy holiday. And keeping with that kind of holiday theme. I've titled this message, The Greatest Gift. The Greatest Gift. It kind of gives away the end. But, you know, I hope you knew I was going to preach about Jesus. So, um, I love hearing Christmas traditions from around the world. I think I could be from Iceland because I hear there, I'm not sure, if there's anybody from Iceland in the room, I might be in trouble. But I'm, I have heard that they give each other books on Christmas Eve and they read together on Christmas Eve. Anybody with me? Like, doesn't that sound like the best? No! Oh my gosh! Wait, Katie, where are you? Aren't you? Don't you like books? Yeah, thank you. Someone. Okay. It's good to have friends in the audience, you know? But Nick is from Switzerland. My husband Nick is from Switzerland, and I'm from America, so we've just kind of mashed all of our Christmas traditions into this Christmas mess of amazingness. So, you know, we have the Advent candles, you know, the Swiss Advent candles, but we have the American stockings. Praise the Lord. And then we have, um, you know, we bake the Swiss Christmas cookies because it's the only time of year that Swiss people are better at sweets than Americans. And it, it's true. I love those Christmas cookies. But we open up Christmas gifts on Christmas morning and all the kids said amen. The, the Swiss kids are crying right now because they have to wait all day to open up their presents. Do they do that in Germany too? Oh, that explains a lot. No, I'm kidding. So, but one of my favorite traditions, and I brought along an, il an illustration because I'm always inspired by Leo and Susanna's illustrations, um, are Christmas stories, movies and books and da da da. But now we have two little kids, so I get to read a bunch of kids' Christmas books. And they kind of fall into two main categories. And the first category is just, you know, like straight up Christmas story. This is one of my favorite books in the whole world, Santa Tells about Jesus, and it's just phenomenal. I mean, these kids' books have rocked my Christmas world this year because if you ever have a deep theological question, get the kids' book on it because those authors are phenomenal and they will just blow your mind with its simplicity and its power. So that's, you know, straight up Jesus' story. That's the one kind of Christmas book. And then the other kind is, you know, kind of like the spirit of Christmas that won't quit. That's what most of the other books are about. That's what I boil it down to. And we all know, or most of us probably know the Grinch, right? It's a, it's a, it's a good story. I really like that one. But um, it really is this way. Cr around Christmas, there's this spirit that won't quit because we know that this is the time of year we were given the greatest gift ever. We know that something profound and miraculous has happened this year. 
on this day so many years ago, and no matter what your Christmas looks like, whether you have gifts or not, you were given the greatest gift ever this, this day all those years ago. And I want to read in Luke uh, chapter 2, 6 through 11, the story of Christmas. So when Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping that newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. And now we can all picture this. We've probably seen pictures of this. This family in these humble circumstances gathered around a baby, and it's beautiful. But this was so much more than simply the birth of a baby. And a birth of a baby is never simple. It, birth is always a miracle. If you feel like you've never seen a miracle in your life, look in the mirror. You are a miracle. Do you believe it? Anybody believe you are a miracle? I promise you that. Life is always a miracle. And now I never held a newborn baby until I was 21. First time I touched a new, first time anybody would let me touch a newborn baby. And then from then until the next time was when I had my own daughter. <laughs> so, and actually I brought a picture of our newborn baby. Oh, you can't keep her up there too long. I'm going to get distracted. But anyway, I want to make a point, okay? I'm not just bragging that my daughter is gorgeous and amazing, okay? Um, she, she was just like, look at this. You know, this is how Jesus came to the world. Uh, that's Nick's hand. I mean, his hand isn't much bigger than mine. And, you know, they're just precious miracles. You know, this fragile, precious gift of peace of heaven come to earth. Come to a sinful world, but maybe the closest we'll ever look like Jesus. I don't know, because we just came from there. And it's just, it's a miracle. And that's, that was you one day. This tiny little amazing miracle baby. And that was Jesus. But the thing is, can you imagine... God, the almighty creator of everything, come to earth like this. Come to earth so fragile. But unlike every other baby in the world, he was not helpless and he was not weak. Jesus was something different, marked, protected, and set apart for a calling like none other from day one. And I want to continue reading this story a little bit in Luke 2 where it says, that night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them. And the angel reassured them saying, don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. So good. Oh, I love this translation. For, the rescue, for today, a rescuer was born for you. And I'm going to stop there for a second because if I were the shepherds, I'd be like, born? Why don't you come back to me in 20, 30 years when he's actually going to do something for me? You know, like, that's kind of born. Like, why, why are you telling me this now? And then the angel goes on, as angels do. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. Aha. So this matters now. My rescue, my salvation is no longer a possibility it is a guarantee. This matters today. Because God had been silent for hundreds of years at this point, And now the miracle that he's speaking, his plan is back in motion. And the scripture goes on, you will recognize him by this miracle sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. 
the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just had happened. And everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened. And they praised God and they glorified him for all that they had heard and seen for themselves. But what did they see? They saw a baby. They showed up, they saw two parents, probably a little scared and nervous, worried about what's going on, and a baby. And it took great faith to believe this is no average baby. This is the promise of God. This is the greatest gift that just showed up. And now I know some of you are saying, well, if an angel showed up to me to tell me that, I'd believe it too. But how many of us, and let's be uh, a moment of honesty, how many of us ask for signs and confirmation and da-da-da and all this, and God gives it to us and we're still like, oh. I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure yet. So, you know, let's give, a, let's give them some credit, these shepherds. They knew something profound had come. But you know what? We know so much more of the story. We don't just see a baby. We know a lot. We don't know the whole thing yet. But we know a lot more of the story. And we know and have faith for what is to come. So how much more do we have to rejoice over every single Christmas season. And that is why we celebrate this every single year. You know, we like to sum up the Jesus story as he came, he lived with us, he died, and he rose again. And we talk a lot about his life, his death, and his resurrection because that's impressive. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's, that's really something else. That's worth spending a lot of time talking about. But we skip over sometimes or in comparison, it might seem a little less significant to look over, he came. He came. But let's not miss the days of small beginnings. If you find yourself today in a day of small, humble beginnings, and you know that there's a miracle happening in your life, you know that you're working towards something, be encouraged by our Savior because it doesn't go more humble than being born in a stall of God himself being born in a stall surrounded by animals. So be encouraged by our Savior if you find yourself in humble circumstances. You know, so, so like we said, we said that's an impressive resume, you know, that Jesus had. And we don't want to make the he came part insignificant. Because the sacrifice didn't start when he was rejected. It didn't start when he was being beaten. It didn't start when he was being mocked. And it didn't start when he was being killed for us, it started when he came. The sacrifice from Jesus started with he came. We have a lot to be thankful for from day one of he came. Because let's be clear on what he came means. God himself came to earth as a baby. Perfect love came. Hope for all came. The Prince of Peace came. A Savior for everyone everywhere came. The best friend that you or I could ever dream of having came. Come on, are we happy that Jesus came on Christmas? And now he came is a loaded phrase. A lot came. And I want to look at three gifts that came when Jesus came that day. The first gift is the gift of love itself, or the gift of love himself, came. Now, the Bible clearly says God is love. How incredible. And now, the Christmas season is uh, 
also one of those times where, you know, we are like, oh, if I could just have love on Christmas, you know, and we sing the songs, all I want for Christmas is you, you know, and I sang that song with my whole heart, and then I met my husband, Nick, and we started dating, and you know what I wanted for that first Christmas? A present. I wanted a gift, okay? It was no longer like, you're enough for me. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Like, thanks for being here. Now get me a present. I'm in a relationship. That's the first Christmas. I get a gift, right, you know? So, you know, we want... You know, we, w- we want love on Christmas though, right? We are actually carved out. We are made to desire and crave and have this sense of need for love in our lives because we were made by love himself, first of all. Made by love himself. And we were made to always be relation- in relationship with love himself. He made you by his love to be loved by him. To be loved by him. And now, maybe you can't be with your loved ones this Christmas. And maybe you're, you find yourself in a difficult season this Christmas. My heart goes out to you. But can I encourage you that God's love can truly meet you in those difficult circumstances and blow your mind with what he can, how he can bless you, how he can comfort you, how he can provide for you, how he can support you and encourage you in those seasons if we can focus from our pain and our hurt onto his all-sufficient love. Because that hole wasn't made to be loved by other people. It was made to be loved by him. And that's what brings us the comfort. And now J. John in his book, Amuse-Bouche, thankfully there are probably no French people in the house today. The greatest form of love, he says, the greatest form of love does not center on having affectionate feelings. It is rather to have a determined desire for good to occur to some other person. It is to make a decision to do good to them and show kindness to them. This is Christmas. God said, I am determined to see these people, my people, set free. I'm determined to do good to them. I'm determined to send my son to them. I'm determined to bless them like they can't even imagine. That is the Christmas story. And now what, what good is love that affectionate feelings, you know, that changes you know, like, it's nice today and then it's hot tomorrow. Like, how, you can't even live in a relationship like that. It's just affectionate feelings, how I feel. Love isn't a feeling, especially when it comes to God. Or maybe only when it comes to God. Love is him reaching out his hand or actually sending his whole body, his whole son, reaching out to us and saying, let me help you. Let me bless you. Let me love you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you into the best life, into the plan that I have for you. That is is the true and powerful love that comes with knowing our God. Now my next point is the gift of living hope came. And I have a bit of um, a preacher pet peeve. <laughs> but I'm going to break it and I'm going to explain why. I don't, I, you know, we all have the preacher pet peeves. I'm probably poking some of your buttons right now anyway. Um, but there's grace. So I'm sorry. But when preachers bring dictionary definitions... But so I looked up the definition for hope just because for myself, when I'm preparing, I like to just kind of have all the information in the back of my head, you know, get myself started uh, with what God's trying to tell me. And the first definition for hope that came up on my computer, so don't throw Merriam-Webster's at me later. This is just the first thing that came up, is that hope is a feeling of expectation, 
And I'm bringing it up because that's wrong. Can I be so bold in saying that this dictionary definition is wrong? It's wrong for believers. And I'll tell you why. The shepherds and people had hope because the Messiah had come. But we have all the more hope now because the Messiah has risen. He's alive. He was alive when he came. He died and he came back to life again. Our hope is, is and always was in Jesus who is alive. 1 Peter 1, through, uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 3 says, We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So my definition of hope is the living expectation, however small, that something good will happen and it is only alive because Jesus is alive and he lives in us and he is among us. That is why our hope can be alive. We have hope for today because we are now linked up to the one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Not according to my power. We're not working anymore from a place of insufficiency and striving and trying. We're working from a place of acceptance. I am accepted. I am called. I am loved by God. I am linked to him. So I don't have to try and do all these things anymore. I'm linked to the one who can actually make a difference, who can make the biggest impact, who can use me in a way that will make an impact and that is why we can have hope for today when we have the living hope in us we can give up that control which is so amazing it's so freeing when you can really get that I don't need to worry about everything I don't need to fix or control everything and then we have hope for heaven earth's troubles fade in the light of heaven's glory what a graceful blessing that Jesus came to earth and he shared so many secrets about what heaven looks like, about what heaven will be like. We know, we know with confidence, with bold confidence where we're going. We know. What, ho what hope is that? And if that wasn't enough hope for today, hope for heaven, we have hope for Jesus to come again. And let's not forget that. It's unbelievable. So no matter our feelings, we have hope always, in every season, at every time. And now I, I remember living um, in kind of a, a hopeless place, you know, and uh, I was a teenager that was given way too much freedom, and freedom in the hands of somebody who can't handle it is not a blessing, it's a curse. And I was making a lot of choices and decisions, and one day I just remember sitting, I really, really remember just sitting and thinking what is going to come of my future. And I thought, well, I, I'll probably get married, but we are just going to work hard jobs and we're going to come home and watch TV and we're going to fight on the weekends. It's really what I thought. It's really what I thought. And I thought, but I'm definitely not having kids because have you, have you seen this world? There's no hope in this world. And I found myself in this place and... ICF recorded a testimony of mine a few years back, and they've shown it every now and then. But there's this part where I'm hysterically crying, and the audience doesn't really know why, because the interviewer, who they didn't show, asked me the question, what do you think your life would look like if you hadn't met Jesus? And the truth, the an as I thought of the answer to that question, I lost it. I lost it because 
the truth was actually much more bleak than what I just said to you. I was really headed in a poor direction until, until, my story has an until. Does your story already have an until? If it doesn't, it can today. I was headed in a bad direction until I walked into a church and I heard the greatest secret ever shouted from rooftops, okay? It, that's how it feels, right? The Christians are like, hello, we're trying in every way possible to tell you about Jesus. And then the new believers are like, why did you keep the secret the whole time? I needed this message in my life. And that's how I felt. I'm like, oh, this great secret. And, oh, da, da. and then I look back on my life and I'm like, oh, they prayed for me and they talked to me about Jesus. And I went to that church that time and all of these times I was set up to meet Jesus at the right time. And that brings me to my last point, that the gift of the Savior for everyone, everywhere came. Jesus was the only baby with an agenda. He came with a plan. I mean, this is unbelievably impressive. When he came, our fate was sealed. This was not a possibility anymore. This was a guarantee that our salvation was in the works. And I'm convinced that nothing could have messed that plan up at that point. It didn't mess it up to kill him. Nothing could have changed God's plan for you and for me at that point. In Luke 20, verse 10, like I already read, and I want to say again because it's so powerful. It is good news for everyone everywhere for today in Bethlehem a rescuer was born for you he is the Lord Yahweh the Messiah God himself came to handle our greatest issues the hold that sin had on us to put us back in relationship with him that he can we can really have that hole of love filled by him and to give us hope for a future to give us a future. And that is so powerful. Now, if you were to ask anybody, do you want to live in all of eternity? And eternity is a, such a big concept. I don't even really believe we can all capture that. We just have a taste of eternity in our hearts. But do you want to live all of eternity with the, the, the one who created you, who said, I want this person like this, like this. I want them alive in this world. I love them and who loves you more than anything else or in the other place that we're all so familiar with. The answer seems obvious. The answer seems obvious. And somehow we make it complicated. When, why do we make this complicated? He came, Jesus came. He came to bless, he came to heal, he came to forgive, he came to shower you with grace. He came to protect you and lead you and guide you and give you hope and a future. But he came to die for us. Taking our sins on himself so we can choose a real life. We can choose life and life abundantly linked to our creator who loves us. He came to offer us life over death and maybe you think it can't be that simple to now just in this church service in this church to just say okay and all right I'll, I'll give my I'll walk with you Jesus I'll give my life to you I believe you did this for me I want to live with you but it wasn't simple for Jesus 
wasn't simple when he came as a baby. God came as a baby in the lowest, most humble circumstances. It wasn't simple. It wasn't simple when he lived and he was rejected and ignored. It wasn't simple when he died, when he was humiliated. But it, he did the hard work so that it would be simple for us. So it is simple for you today, no matter where you find yourself, to say, I need you, Jesus. I want this Jesus that I'm hearing about because he's wonderful. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift, the gift. How hard is it to receive a gift? It is not hard. It's simple. He made it simple. He gave us the gift of life over death. Who doesn't want that? Life over death. Real life. Real life. If there was ever a birthday to celebrate, it would be this one today, every single year for the rest of our lives. Can we make Christmas about Jesus this year? Can we want more of him and his love this year? Can we say we're going to live the rest of this year and next year and the year after with this message of you came for me in our hearts, for me. He came for me. He came for you. He came for you. He came for you. He came for you. He he came for you. He came for you. Is anybody excited that he came and gave his life for you today? Let's say, Jesus, all I want for Christmas is more of you. That is the greatest gift I could ever get. And it is enough for me. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood or in your friendship that podcast could be a very well cool thing just share the link because it's pretty pretty easy and I'm looking forward to see you again tune in and God bless you and see you soon bye bye